0: The Practice of Obeying Rules or Requests Made by People in Authority.
1: This is the Pharmacy Compliance Guide with
0: Jeff Hedges.
2: Good morning, this is Carlos Aquino from Pharma Diversion LLC and you're listening to the Pharmacy Compliance Guide.
0: Pharmacy Podcast Network listeners. First of all, this is the host and founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Todd Urey. If this is the first time listening to a podcast, I welcome you. I thank you for taking the time to listen to this. This network has grown over the years. We launched in 2009. We found some of the greatest minds in the pharmacy industry to participate. One of those is the Pharmacy Compliance Guide Podcast which is a special partnership between Jeff Hedges with Hedges & Associates, who really focuses on some of the most tedious, most detailed information of what it is to run your community independently owned pharmacy and how important that is. Today is very exciting for the network because we're bringing to the table, we're bringing to the podcast an expert within the world of DEA documentation and how important that is to understanding this, it's been big in the news lately, and it's something that's important that we should be talking about. So, without further ado, welcome to the Pharmacy Compliance Guide episode with Jeff Hedges. And good morning, Jeff. I know you have a special guest. I can't wait to introduce him. How are you doing?
1: We're doing very good today. So, and uh, we, um, with Carlos here with us today, uh, we bring a very, very important subject. Uh, uh, last year, uh, in 2017, we saw DEA changing their focus on comp- uh, pharmacy compliance. Uh, DEA inc- started increasing their enforcement from the verification of the combat methamphetamine certificate uh, to a more formal on-site inspection. Now, with the emphasis on the opioid epidemic, DEA is under increased pressure to look at the abusers of the system. and Naturally, the first place any inspector is going to look is at the pharmacy. At this point, we are spending uh, a lot of time with our clients and we're looking at updating our clients and, and talking to them about this trend. And we're providing them more and more information. And I attended a conference last September, and Carlos was there. And one of the presentations was maintaining your pharmacy and DEA compliance. The CE wasn't well attended. However, it was one of the most interesting and most informative CEs I've ever attended. One of the two presenters uh, is joining Todd and me today, and this is Carlos Aquino. He is the president of Pharma Diversion. He's based out of Philadelphia. Carlos is a retired DEA diversion investigator, is a great supporter of independent pharmacists. If you ever, ever have the, an issue with DEA, Carlos is the first person you should call. And his information is listed on the podcast, <coughs> and you'll be able to contact him. But DEA is a very serious thing uh, that we're all dealing with right now. And we'll be talking about it as we go through this today. So with this, hello, Carlos.
2: Jeff, good, good morning, and thank you for the invitation um, for allowing me to be your DEA consultant. And it's a, great, it's a great honor for me to be doing this with you.
1: Well, as we go through today, some of you may have seen a bulletin we sent out uh, last month uh, about DEA, DEA documentation. And there are three main points that we want to talk about today. And the first one is the CSOC usernames and passwords. The second item is a power of attorney for DEA forms 222 and electronic ordering. And then receiving the C2 orders from the wholesaler and completing the DEA uh, proper documentation. These three elements are where the pharmacies are getting in trouble with uh, the DEA. And when you think you're doing everything right, uh, don't assume, as we're going through this today, don't assume that you're doing everything right. Don't say that you know you're doing everything right. We want you to go listen to the podcast today. Then I want you to go back and systematically look at what we've talked about and make sure you're doing everything. Because the fines we're going to talk about are actually being levied and they're extraordinarily important.
0: Well, that seems straightforward. Um, Someone who doesn't understand compliancy issues and it's the whole reason that we've really been excited Jeff for you to constantly and consistently be providing information to us this makes sense at the right time to get this out to the network Carlos can you explain how and why the power of attorneys for DEA forms 222 and electronic orders is used
2: sure Todd um in, in the DEA regulations that can be found on the DEA Diversion website, so if you go to your laptop and just uh, Google DEA Diversion, you'll see something that'll look like the uh, DEA Office of Diversion Control. That's the website that you should be looking at. And in that website, there are DEA regulations and federal laws. In the specific DEA regulation under Title 21, the Code of Federal Regulation 1305.05, it clearly states that the registrant can provide uh, power of attorney to any other individual and doesn't necessarily have to be a pharmacist. To any other individual, the power to order Schedule II controlled substances and this is the only the, the the power attorney only applies to schedule twos all right there's misunderstanding sometimes with regards to schedule three fours and fives but uh, in the paper two 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 there is this signature uh, that has to be placed by the purchaser this in that case it's the individual registrant or the person that is given. Uh, the power of attorney. In the electronic in CSOS system, you have an electronic signature, which is your, your password. As soon as you log into your CSOS, it automatically is capturing your password and your electronic, electronic signature whenever you're making that purchase.
0: With the opioid epidemic and what it's done to our country and how much attention there's on this, this could not come at a better time. And really, the final point you're looking at is the receiving of the Schedule II drugs. And from what we've talked about, this seems to be where the DEA is focusing on their inspections.
1: Yes, everything is about documentation. When the drug order is received, CSOX is accessed by the authorized individual with a power of attorney for DEA form 222 and electronic orders with the individual username and password that is not shared with another person. The order for the controlled substances, C2s, is checked against the packing slip and invoice. The DEA-222 is completed through Seesaw, and then the 222 is printed out. Again, you have to print out the document at that moment in time. And most systems will state that the document will actually, on what you're printing out, this is not a DEA-issued Form 222. This form is available for convenience. Okay. The yeah, DEA will still accept this. However, if you have a, and the reason why we want you to print this, if, the file, if this document um, is not printed in some systems, depending on the wholesaler, depending on the browser, uh, when you print it out, it may print out blank. And if it prints out blank and you're sitting there with DEA, that's a $14,000 fine. So we want you to print it out at that moment. And if it does print out, okay, blank, you just completed that moment. If it does print out completed, you still want to print it out and put that in with the uh, packing slip and place it on the, uh, in a hard copy file. And you keep it for two years.
0: Pay attention to your and pop-up blockers, uh, pharmacy owners, pay attention because a internet browser like Chrome, like Internet Explorer, any of them out there, um, they may be blocking a pop-up that has very vital information. So be cognizant of that.
2: And Jeff, you're you're absolutely right. And many pharmacists and, and, and registrants don't completely understand the CSOS uh, requirements. And I normally advise the pharmacist to print that copy out and, uh, and staple it to their invoice and keep that as the document that they will be presenting to DEA. And in most cases, um, I would say 99% of the time, DEA will accept it because it's readable, it looks like a DEA form 222, even though the uh, supplier may note on it that it's not a DEA form 222, because what that form will require to have on there is your quantities uh, that you receive and the date that you receive and, and I will always tell you to put the signature of the individual verifying those quantities. Now, any schedule twos should be looked by the pharmacist and not by the technician. And and to note those specific requirements on on that form. And then you keep those forms and file them on a monthly basis. I also want to remind um, registrants. And when I say registrant, the registrant is the person who does the initial application for the retail pharmacy or does the renewal every year. So if you are the owner of the pharmacy and you allow your your um, uh, pharmacist in charge to do that for you electronically and put their name in there, they become the registrant, not the owner. So I always recommend to the owners of pharmacies that they do the initial application and then they also do their renewals uh, with their names on there. But there's, um, on, on the paper 222s, um, you can look at Title 21, of the Code of Federal Regulation 1305, Uh, Section 13 through 19, and for the electronic, I'd be looking at 1305, sections 21 through 28. One of the things that in, in the DEA regulations where I have pharmacists all the time asking me, show me exactly where I have to present a 222 or an electronic uh, order form that's linked to my original order. And if, uh, if you look at uh, Title 21, Code of Federal Regulation 1311.60, it very clearly states that you have to provide something that is readable to the inspectors, to the DEA diversion investigators, when they are there to do a, uh, an inspection of your control substances. Jeff, one of one of the misunderstandings out uh, in 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 the world of the retail pharmacy is the requirements uh, of an individual to uh, do an application uh, in order to become a purchaser of a Schedule Two for for the pharmacy. There's one application that initially has to be done. And also there has to be a power attorney record also created by the pharmacy. And both of those two pieces, along with um, a copy of two IDs of which one has to have a picture ID, is generally sent to the DEA sauce unit. But in many cases, I would say make copies also and provide them to the supplier whose Seesaw system you are using because they too will require you to have, um, a, the a, for they're required to, to maintain a copy of that information as part of their due diligence responsibilities as a supplier.
0: Jeff, tell me about the whole Seesaw username and password thing.
1: Yes, there is a common misconception since everyone has gone to the online Seasocs ordering process. First, every person who uses the Seasocs system must have their own username and password. No person may share another person's username. And I repeat, no person may share another person's username. Having a single-user name for one pharmacy only works if you never take a day off ever, and we know that won't happen uh, because the store is open. And if you're there, you uh, are opening yourself to scrutiny with DEA as soon as they come in and start asking questions. Setting up additional users' names it's not hard. You work with your wholesalers' software uh, software system to establish each uh, additional username. Each system has their own variations of parameters. So, if you have questions, just contact your wholesaler seesaw uh, department and work through their processes as you uh, set up the additional usernames. If they tell you to contact DEA to set this up. Please don't do that. Just ask to go to their supervisor.
0: Carlos, I've been working with many different organizations that have been focused on the opioid crisis, and that includes medication-assisted treatment providers, health systems, PBMs, pharmacies, in each of the communities that I travel to. And what I was excited about when I heard about you coming on the show is your deep background in the layering of all of your experience from being a police sergeant for over 20 years, being involved with the DEA for over 10 years, um, and now your focus, your ultra laser focus on the issues of compliance with regards to DEA and the enforcement of that and what comes of that. So, you know, Jeff was talking about this at the beginning. DEA is enforcing the documentation requirements, obviously, more now than ever, especially with this epidemic that we're going through. Can you give us a specific example of pharmacy who have recently received DEA fines or you're aware of with regards to those fines?
2: Yes, uh, I, I have three specific examples that I can provide you. Uh, The first um, was a retail independent pharmacy in Manhattan, um, in New York, where the pharmacy reported the theft of 14 bottles of oxycodone 30 milligrams. And DEA um, came to the pharmacy to do their investigation on, on the theft. And one of the first things uh, that that they asked was, are the Schedule Twos ordered with paper two two twos, or are they using the seesaw system? The three pharmacists were there on that at that moment. The three staff pharmacists, and all three of them mentioned that they were ordering through seesaw. And then the question came up: Is, are uh, did they have their individual login and passwords? And they said no. We are using the registrant's password. So then, what DEA did was the focus of the theft disappeared. Now the potential civil action began with that. With that, no, we don't have an individual password. And and the outcome of that is that DEA will find you. For each line on a, on the a sauce order, for each one of those lines, you'll be fined fourteen thousand seven hundred thirty nine dollars. And for each uh, order, uh, they will find you fourteen thousand seven hundred thirty nine dollars. And what happened there was. DEA asked for the power of attorney forms that were submitted to CSOS for each individual, which they didn't have, and for that also they were cited for um, for having failure to provide such records during a, an inspection. The 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 fine in that particular case was uh, one hundred eighty-six million dollars. Oh my lord, and, and the actual payment was two hundred thousand dollars, but the the pharmacist decided to bring in some high-priced attorney to represent them, and it cost them an additional two hundred thousand dollars. So that bad experience cost them. Uh, a total of $400,000. And what um, DEA and the U.S. Attorney's Office required a quarterly inspection, compliance inspection, uh, to be done in the pharmacy every quarter, and an audit of all Schedule II controlled substances.
0: Carlos, between the three of us, We've all been in thousands of pharmacies, institutional pharmacies, specialty pharmacies, community pharmacies. And running sometimes like a chicken with the head cut off, I mean, we understand what you guys are going through. We understand logging into systems. but everyone needs to everyone needs to understand the volatility and the focus of DEA and the pressure on the DEA cause of this opioid epidemic and we have to we have to be almost empathetic to the systems in place that have been designed from the DEA's perspective to protect the public so username and passwords guys and gals out there in pharmacy land are not a joke let me repeat that your username and password must be your specific username and password do not mess around with this Carlos, what's that second example that you were talking to Jeff and I before we, uh, before we started the show?
2: The second example that I had was on a pharmacy in Albany, New York, who decided to post on the side of the cash register the C-Sauce password. And when DEA was there to investigate a theft of, of controlled substances by an employee they, the diversion investigator happened to see the little sign that says, this is the Seesaw's password, the login and password. Oh my. And, and I mean, when I heard that, I was like, I can't believe that that individual did that. And, and the fine, that fine um, was initially paid uh, for a total of, of, of $400,000. Because again, each line that is on a seesaw's order form, which on the paper is only ten, but on seesaws there's on un- no on un- a full numbers. Um, each line was a violation.
0: <clears throat> wow! So think about this: if you're listening right now, you're in the car. Obviously don't be writing stuff down. Just wait till you get back. Look at the episode. There's going to be show notes. There's going to be some guidance down there. You're obviously going to be able to reach out to the RJ Hedges team as well as the information that we're going to get all of your listener, all of our listeners today about Carlos and his expertise. But think about this. Look at your workstation. Do you have sticky notes all over the place? Please, if there's any passwords on those sticky notes, I know it's not it's not convenient take them down, throw them away. If any of you have smartphones, and give me a break, we all know you do. So your iPhone, your Droid, whatever, there are applications that you can go to in Google Play, or you can go in the iTunes store that are password protection. And by the way, they're password protection by your thumbprint that will store all of your personal and your business and professional passwords. So invest in something like that. And by the way, the investment is F-R-E-E, free. Some of those applications are free and they're all governed by your thumbprint and protecting your password list. Do not put your password on a sticky note and put it on your computer. That's just silliness. Carlos, talk to us about receiving C2 orders from the wholesaler. This one is almost like the aha moment of this entire episode. So let's talk about that
2: let's let's talk about schedule 2 uh what happens in in many pharmacies is that responsibility to verify the quantities are are given to the pharmacy technician who will then pre- review the quantities that they're receiving and it's noted on the invoice and then the invoice is turned over to the pharmacist or the person who is the purchaser who whoever did the order, and then that individual <clears throat> will go in and log into the Seesaw through using their Seesaw password and confirming those quantities. Now one of my biggest problems with that is that you're given that responsibility to an individual who may may uh, may s- decide to steal that product. And only give you quantities that that were different from the quantities that were noted on the invoice. And many a times that information is not picked up until later, when when the the theft uh, continues and there's there's a reporting to DEA. So my recommendation is, if you're the pharmacist, if it's your purchase. Um, um, Email. Uh, you purchased. If you purchased the control substance, the C two, the Schedule twos, you should verify that yourself to make sure that that order was complete, and then confirming on the seesaw system.
0: Carlos, thanks so much for the examples. Um, this is important stuff. There's so much more that probably is swirling in the minds of our pharmacy owners right now. So. In closing, Jeff, what kind of framework of next steps can you give our listeners about this subject, this incredibly important subject that's causing a lot of pain for pharmacy owners out there, not only from fine's perspective, but making sure that they have the right policies and procedures in place?
1: There's basically three points when everybody, uh, when you get back to the pharmacy or you sit down in your pharmacy, that you need to look at. Um, And when I talk to the pharmacies um, and it's about 95% of the folks that I talk to that they uh, they're not in compliance. So just look at these three points. Okay. First off, make sure that you have a signed power of attorney for DEA forms 222 and electronic orders. If you don't know, what that form is, or you don't have it, uh, if you're our clients, just go in the compliance portal into the, the DEA uh, uh, compliance uh, program and it's uh, right there. If you're not our client, you can be, but if you just go into the DEA pharmacist manual and just go right in there and uh, it's uh, type in Power of Attorney. Uh, in the search engine, it'll take you right down to it. And it'll give you an example on how to do it. Okay. Who should needs that power of attorney? It's anybody who has a username and password and anybody who um, orders a uh, Schedule 2 or receives a Schedule 2. So that's the first thing you need to check. The second thing you need to check is to make sure... Um, that you have proper usernames and passwords. We've talked about that several times already. Okay. Don't have one username and password. Okay. Make sure you have multiple ones. If your wholesaler doesn't want to give you them, talk to their person who's saying no, talk to their supervisor. If you only have one username and password, you better be at the pharmacy every day. And you better be checking in, uh, ordering them every day. You better be there every time an order comes in because all, the, all these DEA inspector has to do is ask your staff a couple questions and you got fines because you're never going to be there every day because you're going to have vacations, you're going to be sick, you're going to go to conferences. And finally, look at your uh, receiving procedures. Do you have, the requirement is, Do you have your DEA-222s readily available? That means you have to have them. When asked, you can pull them out and give it to the DEA inspector with the packing slip. That doesn't mean that they're in a file in a box somewhere else or they're in the computer and they print out. You have to be ready to give to them and they have to be completed. You do all those three steps and you're golden. There's nothing to worry about. But you got to make sure today that you're doing that because it's not a question of if DEA is walking into your pharmacy. It's a question of when they're coming in because of the president's declaration of this national emergency. DEA is uh, the only regu- the regulatory agency that can come in to do a regulatory area and the pharmacy is the only place they can regulate. The doctors are excluded. They're the ones writing the scripts. They're not, and the drug dealers are working on them, but you're the only one with the drugs on the shelf and you're filling the prescriptions. So they're only going to be coming at the pharmacies and they are coming at the pharmacies. So you've got to make sure that you are compliant. There is no room for error. As long as you do those three simple steps, and we'll have the bulletin that we posted earlier uh, on a briefing notes here, and just do these three simple steps, and you're fine. If you get in trouble with DEA, Carlos's information is also on the briefing notes, and give him a call. Okay. If you get in trouble with the EA, I can't help you. Carlos can.
0: Carlos is okay. the man. Hey, listen, pharmacy owners, pharmacy technicians, pharmacists, staff pharmacists, if you're listening to the show right now, I want you to go to your staff, to your director, to your operations manager, even to the owner. Bring this to their attention. Pharmacy owners, gather your staff. Talk about this. It's going to take you 10 minutes to review it. Um, You could even use some of the documentation that's in our show notes. Reach out to RJ Hedges and Associates so that they can help guide you and your staff to educate everyone. It will be worth every minute of that 10-minute meeting to review this. It's so important that everybody is cognizant of some of the things that we just don't pay attention to. Pop-up blockers not working. Uh, Writing your password down on a piece of paper and putting it on a sticky note. Um, it being out visible for everybody to see, I understand how busy you are. I know the pace that you're running to keep up with all of the challenges to run an independently community community retail pharmacy, but it's not worth it to, to have this bring down your business and all the fines and all of the, um, all of the, the pain that goes along with this. Carlos, I want to thank you for being part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network's education through the Pharmacy Compliance Guide. It was an absolute pleasure. We got to have you back on the show. It was so interesting in talking with you. Uh, Jeff, uh, thank you so much for being a consistent um, provider of information through the Pharmacy Compliance Guide. Thank
1: you, gentlemen. Okay. Thanks, you, Todd. And thanks again to Carlos for everything you're doing. Uh, Keep up the good work.
0: You were listening to the Pharmacy Compliance Guide. We were talking with Carlos Aquino, who is the compliance consultant and founder of Pharma Diversion LLC. His contact information will be in the show notes. And we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.